Welcome to the sermon podcast of Gamble Street Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Gamble Street Baptist Church has been sharing the gospel for over 100 years. This podcast includes sermons from our traditional Sunday morning service and our contemporary services on Sunday evenings. We hope God speaks to you through this sermon. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. I was watching some of your faces and some of you are like, what is going on right now? <laughs> this is great. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. This is not the first time I've preached this passage. Uh, but let me ask you this. How many of you recognize the song as soon as it started playing? Yeah, several people. But if you're not familiar with it, uh, this was Led Zeppelin's 1971 song, Stairway to Heaven. And it's one of the most popular rock songs of all time. Um, now, if you ask the band members... Even the, the writer, um, uh, Robert Plant, if you ask them what the song's about, they'll say it's up to you, it's, it's up to your interpretation. Um, but if you actually look at the lyrics and you begin to think about what it says, um, it tells the story of a woman who was trying to do all these things to make so much money so that she could buy her way into heaven. And then she gets to the end of her life and she realizes that all of her wealth that she's gained is for nothing and she's not getting into heaven. And it brings to our attention this hard truth that true happiness in life doesn't come from accumulating material possessions. And of course, they, they try to make it all metaphysical and stuff with, with their way. But if you, if you read it, it kind of plays out like a gospel track. And, uh, and it instructs the listener to repent and to choose the right road, which for them was something different than what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but there are many people that have this concept that you can do whatever you think will get you to heaven. You can try to accumulate a bunch of wealth. You can try to do all these different things. Uh, you can do enough good deeds. You can buy your way into heaven. And that's what our passage is about today. The, the people of earth have come together 
not just to buy, but to build, and we'll talk more about that, to build a city, to build a tower, to try to take God's place. And as we study this passage, I want us to think about, um, first of all, in the context of our series, we're reading through the scriptures and seeing how this scarlet thread, this story of redemption plays through. And we're also thinking about this as being an overall story, not about groups of people or individual people, but the main character of the story is God and what he has done for us and what he will do for us. And his, it's all one cohesive unit as we look throughout the whole of Scripture. And the point is that God created us. We saw that a few weeks ago. God created us, and when we have fallen, even though we have fallen, he still loves us. And because we have fallen, he has a plan to rescue us. And so God made mankind. He made us to, to follow in his ways, but as humans, we often try to do it on our own. And that's what this story is really about. When humans try to do it on, their, on our own, it always ends badly. Think back to Adam and Eve when they tried to achieve wisdom on their own in the garden. They, Eve saw the fruit and saw that it was good. And she saw that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. And so she took from the serpent and ate of the tree. And then the next story you come to, which we, we kind of skipped over, is uh, the story of their children, Cain and Abel. And Cain went and he offered a sacrifice to the Lord, but he did it in his own way. And the Lord did not accept it. And because of that, he was, he murdered his brother. And then because of mur murdering his brother, he was exiled from the land. And last week, Dr. Spivey looked at the story of Noah and we saw the people in Noah's day. They lived by their own way. They did what they thought was right. And God sent judgment upon them in the form of a flood. So every time humanity tries to do things their own way, it ends up bad and they receive judgment because of it. In this story, mankind's trying to once again take God's place, and it also ends up badly for them. They were trying to make their name as famous as, as God. They wanted to make their name great rather than God's name great. And they desired that their name would be worshipped and that everybody would look at them and say, look at how great these people are. But we'll see what happens at the end. Now, as we saw, the story takes place in the land of Shinar. Now, if you're reading in your version, it says Babylonia. Uh, that's, it's the same place. Shinar was the plain. Babylonia was the location. It's actually named after this tower, the Tower of Babel. It's physically located in present-day Iraq. And, uh, but as far as, that's geographically, as far as like theologically and uh, spiritually, the term Babylon has this connotation throughout the rest of the scriptures of being a place where the spirits of the Antichrist reside, the place that's against God. And Jesus said, uh, you cannot serve both God and mammon, and it's commonly believed that mammon was a Babylonian spirit. And he was the spirit of greed over money and power. And so that's what Jesus is talking about there. But then when you get into Revelation verses, uh, chapter 18, we see the fall of Babylon and it says this, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons, and a prison of every unclean spirit, and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. So throughout Scripture, Babylon 
is a symbol for demonic activity. It's a symbol for the satanic acts. And in Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel sets the stage for that illustration throughout the rest of Scripture. It's the place where the people were against God. It's the place where they tried to take God's place. It's the place where they tried to remove God from his throne and place themselves on his throne. So before we get into really breaking down the story, let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you would, please bow with me. Father, we thank you for this evening and for the story that you've laid out before us. Lord, I pray as we examine this story and see how it applies to us. Maybe it, it applies to us in different ways. Maybe it applies to each person here differently, Lord. But as we study this, would you just draw out the truth? Let us see what you want us to see. May your spirit open our eyes and open our ears that we may see and hear what you have to tell us. And Lord, may we walk out being transformed by being encountering you through your word. Praise in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so the first, let's talk about the cause. So the story begins with all the people, they're, they're together. They're one unit, they're, but it says that they're journeying to the east. Now remember, back in Genesis 3, uh, right there at the end, verse 24, God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden to the east. And he placed a cherub, a cherubim, at the east side. And there he protects, does not allow them to return into that place with a flaming sword that turns in every direction. And all this great stuff. So the people were driven out to the east, and they keep going to the east. And eventually they get to this plain of Shinar, or what is later known as Babylonia, and they settle there. And the first thing we see is what they're doing is in direct opposition to what God had commanded them to do. Because they say, let us build this city. Let us settle here and come together and build the city because we don't want to be scattered. Right? Now, why is that important? We don't want to be scattered. But God said, back in Genesis 1, he gave the command to fill the earth and to subdue it, and to rule over it. And then last week in Genesis chapter 9, that was repeated in Genesis 9 verse 1. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. So there's kind of this implied command there. Right? We've got the specific command, we've got the implied command. In the military decision-making process, uh, I, when we were talking, Walter and I were talking earlier about I had enough credits for a, a military science minor. I, so I took several classes. Military decision-making process. There are three different kinds of tasks. There's the specified task, something I directly tell you to do. There's an essential task, those things that you must do for the mission to succeed. And then there's implied tasks, things that weren't specified, but you know you have to make those happen in order to have a successful mission. For example, on every combat mission, there's certain things you're going to have to have. You're going to have to make sure your troops have food. You've got to make sure that your troops have water. You've got to make sure that they have shelter. And you've got to make sure that they have access to medical care in case of uh, taking damage. Well, the specified task that God gave was to fill the earth. And the implied task is you've got to scatter. You've got to spread out so you can fill the earth. And so they're already disobeying God, even just in the very first part of this. 
Look at verse 4. Lest we be scattered, we don't want to do what God has called us to do. They're rebelling against God already because of their pride and their selfishness, and that leads to open rebellion. So they, they said no to God. They said yes to their own way. Now think about what causes us to do the same thing. There's the spirit within us as humans, this sinfulness, sinful nature, we call it. And it's the spirit of the Antichrist, really. Um, now we think Antichrist, anti meaning against Christ, meaning obviously Christ, so against Christ. Well, but what happens, really? Antichrist is trying to get you to put Christ away and put something else in Christ's place. And so the spirit of the Antichrist is, I want to be in Christ's spot. I want to be the ruler over my own heart. I want to be the ruler over my own life. And so I put Christ to the side, and I put something else in his position. So Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, one who thinks they can do what Christ does. Think, well, we, we don't need him. We can replace Jesus. We can replace God, and we can do what we want. We don't need him. And that's what the people were doing. They were, they were arrogant. They were prideful. They were thinking, we don't need to follow God's will. We can do what we want to do. But they thought they could do it. They really can't. In Genesis 11, if you just read through briefly, look through there and see how many times you see the um, first person personal pronoun. Me, we, us, our. It's, it's just all about them. Let let us do what we want to do. They thought, the world revolves around us. We'll do whatever we want. And that's the spirit that's still with us today. We still act in that way. We still say, you know what, God, I'm going to put you to the side. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And we do that even with religion and religiosity. But here's the reality. There's some things that we really just can't do. Now, Think about this. I'm going to talk specifically to the guys because I'm a guy. So, ladies, maybe you can relate to this, maybe not. But when there's an issue at the house, what is our natural reaction? I'll take care of it. Yeah. There's a plumbing issue. I don't know a thing about plumbing, but I'll figure it out. There's YouTube. I can figure out. I can save us some money by I'll take care of it. Now, what happens if you're like me, you go to try to take care of it, and it ends up hours later and a lot of extra money, and then you end up calling the plumber anyways because you made a big mess. So we usually just make it worse, at least if you're like me. Because the reality is we, we can't do everything. And in this situation, uh, only God can do things without limit. Every human has limitations. As humanity, that's who we are. We are limited to what we can do. But because we're sinful and we're arrogant creatures, we think we can do things that we can't do. And so we see in this story something they're trying to do that they really can't do. They decided that they are going to build not just a city, but in the middle of that city, they're going to build this tower. This tower that would reach up into heaven. Now, this tower that they're building, we commonly understand it to be a ziggurat. And if you're familiar with the ziggurat, it's a rectangular building that's stepped. So it kind of looks like a stairway, thus stairway to heaven. Um, and oftentimes it has a temple on the top where they would go and offer sacrifices. And we'll talk more about uh, that in just a minute. But once again, we see the people are trying to usurp 
God's place. They're trying to access God. They're trying to do their own works to build themselves up to get to where God is. They're trying to get into God's domain, into the, the heavens, trying to build a stairway into heaven. But we find they can't make a stairway into heaven. And so God places a curse on them. But first, I want you to notice they actually place a curse on themselves. Because look with me at verse 3. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And then they used a brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. Now this, this word, this phrase, let us make bricks, is an interesting verse. There's some symbolism, I think, in here because the only place that that corresponds anywhere else in Scripture comes to us in Exodus. What happens in Exodus? Exodus 1, if you go story, uh, go forward in the Bible story to Exodus 1, we find what the blocks, the bricks, represent. When the Hebrews were slaves, what were they forced to do? They had to make bricks, right? So now the ironic thing is they have all this polished stone around that they should be able to build with and it'd be great and pretty, but instead they, they make these bricks. And so they, there's this effort involved, there's this work involved, and furthermore, there's this picture that we have later of slavery that's going on. And there the, in Exodus, they're slaves to the Egyptians, but here they're slaves to themselves and to their own desires. So they, their slavery leads to their own, is caused by their own pride, and they thought more about their own name than God's name. And then we get this idea of the tower that's found also throughout Scripture. The tower symbolizes strength, it symbolizes power. And here it shows their strength and their power. But if you look forward to Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. So the Lord is supposed to be our strong tower. The Lord is supposed to be our strength. He is supposed to be the one that we rely on, not ourselves. But here, they're relying on their own power to build their own name. They're making this tower. They, they want all the glory. This is what's going on. Let's build this tower so that we can reach God and so the people around us can look at this tower and see how great we are. That's what they're doing. So they say, let's build bricks, let's go into slavery so that we rebel against God's plan and do our own thing. And, you know, sometimes we think doing our own thing is freedom. And really it is. Uh, our culture screams independence. I can go where I want, I can do what I want, however I want, whenever I want, as long as it doesn't bother anybody else. And I guess that's true. We have the freedom in our country to do that to some extent. I mean, God still is in control, so... There's only so much we can do. But you still have to deal with the consequences of your choices. So if you decide, well, I'm going to go do this, that affects the people around you, whether you know it or not. And so you're affecting other people. And this kind of independence that we're talking about, it frequently leads us away from God. When we think, oh, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, it doesn't lead us to doing what God has called us to do most of the time. And we become accustomed to thinking, well, my way, my desires, that's what's best. We, we don't allow God to lead us and guide us. And what happens when we do that is it leads us into a kind of slavery. It, it doesn't lead to freedom. If, if you think, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to use alcohol because my family has a history of alcoholism. 
So this isn't for everybody, but this is for my, my family particularly. I'm going to go and I'm going to drink alcohol. And I become addicted to that. And that soon begins to corrupt and destroy my life. And then my family is gone. This is my, this is my personal... My, my, grand, my actual biological grandfather died when my mom was seven because he had alcoholism. They got a divorce, and then he went out and fell off his boat while he was drunk and drowned. See, sin and this rebellious attitude, this pride, I'm going to do what I want, it leads us into addiction and to slavery and things that we can't get out of on our own. That's what pride does. It puffs us up and gives us this false sense, I can do whatever I want and there will be no consequences, but we still have to deal with the consequences. And sometimes we just need to take a step back and see I'm not in control. I'm, I can't do anything. We just need to put ourselves in perspective sometimes. And Back in 2008, I went to Taipei on a, on a mission trip. And at that time, Taipei 101 was the tallest skyscraper in the world. And so, you know, we come in and everybody's so proud of it. Like, you got to go see Taipei 101. You got to go up in it. It's so cool. And so that was the first stop on our tour. A couple of years later, um, it's no longer the tallest building in the world anymore. Uh, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai was much large, much taller. And uh, it's not even, now Taipei 101 is not even in the top 10. So see how that goes. Um, the Burj Khalifa, just to kind of put it in perspective for you, it stands at 2,717 feet. So it's twice as tall as the Empire State Building. But think about this. The planet Jupiter could fit 1,300 Earths in it. To fill our sun with planets Earth, it would take 1.3 million Earths. And our solar system is about 36 billion times the size of the Earth. And then if you look at just the observable universe, it is 1.9 times 10 to the 22nd times larger than what the Earth is. So, on a human scale, we look at the earth and we go, man, this thing's huge. But then when we look at a celestial scale, our planet is minuscule. It's like 0.002% or something like that. We, we see through the Webb telescope and we look at all these, these things out in space and we see all of that majesty and see how small we are. And if you're like me, you think, and my God created all of that. Adonai, the mighty God, created all of that. And yet, here these people are building this tower. And they're like, it's going to be so big that everybody's going to see it. It's going to stretch into the heavens. Everybody wants to come around and, and see how great we are. It's so massive. It's the biggest thing in the world at this time. Yet, look what Scripture says here. Uh, verse 7. Come, let us... Go down. And they're confused. So they're saying this thing's going up into heaven. It's so big. It's so wonderful. And God says, let's go down and see this thing. God says, this thing is so tiny, so puny. 
we're going to have to step down, lower ourselves to take a look at it. You ever think of just how puny we are compared to God? And yet, we think, let's take God off of his throne. Let's put ourselves there. We'll be in charge. So, we saw the cause is the root. The root issue is our motivation that we turn away from God. And, and then we placed ourselves under this curse. And then God gives us the curse, which I'm going to say is actually the cure. Because we see how God responded. God stepped down. He was not pleased. He was not happy because the people are trying to take his place. And only God deserves that honor. And so what does God do? He stops their plans. Now, it's interesting. It, they point out that this place was called Babel. The word Babel has different meanings depending on which language you're looking at. So according to ancient Akkadian, Babel means the gate of the God. Right? Makes sense. We're building a stairway to heaven, tower to the Lord, um, the gate to the God. And then you look at, in Hebrew, what it means. It means to confuse or to mix up. You ever think how accurate these things are? When we're apart from God and we're doing things that we think are right, we're heading to God, right? We're, Surely God wants me to do this. Surely God wants me to do that. And so we think, okay, this is the way. And this is what the world says. We're going to get to what you want this way. Now, yet it may be completely contrary to what God has said. Think about what James 3.15 says. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but it is earthly, natural, and demonic. And Job 28 says, And to the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and depart from evil is understanding. So what God does as supposedly the curse, I'm going to say is the cure, because what he does is he comes down and he separates the people into different linguistic groups. They have different tongues. They can't speak with one another. And what happens when you can't speak with one another? You can't socialize. You can't engage in commerce. And so everything stops. The tower is left undone. The city is left as the people scatter, right? So the Lord himself stepped in and made them do what he had told them to do, scatter and go fill the earth. And that place was called Babel. And that place, this place of the punishment, this place where God took them off of their own path and this path that led he knew it, it only leads to destruction. This place that is the epitome of human pride. This place where they were trying to do what they wanted to do. They could no longer cooperate in their anti-God action. This antidote to the human arrogance was to confuse their language. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to somewhere where you don't know the language, let me tell you, that is a humbling experience. Can't even find the bathroom because I don't know a word of this language. So you're just like a baby. 
I, I need somebody to walk and guide me. That is very humiliating, very humbling. So God placed them on a different path. They, they were building their own stairway to heaven, but God knew that stairway is going to fall way too short. It would never get them to their destination. It would not get them to him, certainly. It would not get them what they desired. So he stopped them. And he created this dead end. And so that name, Babel, stands forever as a reminder of their godless folly and the people scatter. And the reality is man had to leave Babel to find hope. And in the very next chapter, you, we find that everything that the people wanted to accomplish for themselves in Genesis 11, God promises to Abram in Genesis 12. Every single thing. He says, I'm going to build for you a name. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great people. He makes all these promises that exactly what the people tried to accomplish on their own. We'll look more at that story next week and let Alan follow up with that. But here's the reality. We can't get to heaven on our own. We can always try building our own stairway to heaven, but we can never reach it. People can never reach God's standard. Heaven, we, we don't try to get into heaven. Rather, heaven came down to us. One day, an angel appeared to a young virgin, a Jewish girl named Mary. He said, you're going to bear a son and you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. And that boy will raise up. You'll name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And she gave birth to that boy. And he grew up perfect, without sin. He never rebelled against God one time because he himself was God. He grew into a man. And Scripture said that he went about and he told the people, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. They didn't realize how near it was. And then they killed him on a cross. He died that day. He was sinless, but he took all of our sin upon himself. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead victorious. This, the eternal son of God, stepped into human history. He took on human nature, and he lived as an example to us of perfect humanity and yet died sacrificially in our place to provide the cure for our human rebellion. And Scripture says all we have to do is follow him, trust him, place our faith in him. God's gracious gift of salvation is available to anyone who is willing to abandon their selfish and self-centered pursuit of building their own stairway to heaven and trust in Jesus. So the question I want to ask you today is what kind of stairway are you building? What kind of stairway are you trying to use to get to God? Maybe you're trying to use religion. You're following these religious guidelines. You've been baptized. Maybe you come from another background. And you've gone through confirmation. Maybe you've signed a card and Become a member of a church. Maybe you attend church every time the doors are open. But you're just following religion. And you won't let Jesus actually truly transform you. 
Let me tell you, your stairway will fall short. Religion won't get you there. In fact, listen to what Jesus said to the religious people of the day. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. And in the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So religion won't get you there. Maybe you're trying the path of legalism. You're a rule follower. If I just do everything right, I'll get there. James 2 tells us that if you get 99% of the law right, but you fail in one spot, you're done. You're guilty. Guilty of it all, the full law. So don't follow the law. Follow the lawgiver. Galatians 5.4, Paul writes that if you're trying to be justified by the law, then you're cut off from Christ. You're alienated from him because legalism will not lead you into salvation. Maybe you're trying to get there by good works. Well, if I just do enough good things, the great cosmic scale, I'll put all my good deeds on this side and all my bad deeds on this side. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then I'll, he'll let me through. No, it won't work that way. In fact, we've done so much that even if you try that, you're still going to be like this. Your evil is going to far outweigh your good. But even still, if, if you were to just balance out, it wouldn't be enough. It doesn't work that way. The access is not by you building a stairway. It's by going through a door. Jesus said, 10, 9, John 10, 9, that he is the door. And if anyone comes through me, enters by me, he shall be saved. So God made us. God loves us. God has a rescue plan for us because only he can rescue us. So how do we get that? Ephesians 2 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift. It's a gift of God that you must accept. So what's the answer? How do we get to heaven? How do we be with God? How do we be right with, with him? Give up your freedom. Seems counterproductive. Tell God you can't do it. You have to live life on God's terms rather than on your terms. You have to live according to Christ, not according to you. You have to place your faith and trust in him and what he has done, not what you do. And then you experience God's redemptive, life-transforming, and amazing grace. We started off tonight by reading from Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost happened. And the Spirit came down, and he filled the disciples. And guess what God did? He reversed what happened here. The people could speak in languages they did not know to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can be recipients, and we are recipients of that spirit if we trust in Jesus. So my question is, have you trusted in Jesus for your salvation? Let's go to him in prayer. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gamble Street Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you have questions, we would love to speak with you. Please call 817-926-1785 to speak with a minister. If you live in or will be traveling to the Fort Worth area, we would love to have you visit. Gamble Street Baptist Church has six church goals to reach the lost for Christ, to learn more about Christ, to 
touch the city through Christ, to train leaders to serve Christ, to embrace the world with Christ, and to build strong families in Christ. Please join us for our next episode.